Let us now turn our Bibles to Psalm number 22, Psalm 22, and let me read for us from verse 1 to verse 19 of Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mocked me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet You are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers and circles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, be not far from off. Be not far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. This morning, our text is especially taken from Matthew 27. Let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. Matthew 27, verse 45. Now, from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani? That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, 
My God, why have you forsaken me? These are some of the most unfathomable words of our Lord Jesus Christ that no human being can fully understand, nor can we ever get to the very depths of how our Lord Jesus felt, the depths of his agony and anguish when he cried out these words. Firstly, because we can never fully understand he as very man and very God at the same time, perfectly righteous, sinless man. How does that feel to be forsaken by God? Secondly, also because of the perfect oneness God the Father has with the Son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, their relationship can never be broken to any extent. And for Jesus to be forsaken by the Father then is really such a mystery to us. Yet, even though we may but scratch the surface of what, how Jesus felt that day, but with the help and grace of God, we can still certainly benefit when we search into the Word of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ on that day had been on the cross for already three torturous hours when suddenly at 12 noon it became pitch dark all over the place. It was not an eclipse of the sun, but it was an extraordinary phenomenon. And during those three hours of darkness, apparently all the mockings had stopped. There were no records of any other things that happened. Probably the people then were, were in awe or, or they were so struck with fear by this strange phenomenon. And then at 3 p.m., that silence was broken by a loud cry from the Lord Jesus, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was from the depths of his hellish agony that our Lord Jesus at that point cried out to God. So let's consider, first of all, what anguish he experienced then. The Bible tells us that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. And so darkness is often associated with sin, with evil in the Bible. It is a description of being outside of God's grace, outside of God's goodness and mercy. A description of hell also. For example, the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 25 verse 30, Cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And at another place, in the book of Joel, when describing the day of judgment, Joel 2 verse 31 says, The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And so that three hours of darkness, the sky as it were, 
was telling everyone, was signaling that the Son of God was being cast into outer darkness. This darkness which engulfed the land indicated the roar of the holy anger of God against sin. Throughout that three hours of darkness, in fact, there was an even greater darkness, you can imagine, in the soul of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was suffering unimaginable anguish and torment. Because at that time, the full weight of the holy wrath of God was upon him. The execution of God's holy justice and judgment against sin was upon him. Christ, the Lamb of God, became the sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, at that point, descended into the very essence of hell, such that he cried out in anguish, in agony, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that the word forsaken speaks of being deserted, being left behind to to fend for ourselves, being abandoned. And to give an illustration, when I was younger, uh, it happens very often, such things happen very often, although now it is a chargeable offence in Singapore and we don't see that. But when I was younger, I often hear of people bringing their old or sickly dog to some remote places, some forested area, dump them there and drive off, leaving them to fend for themselves and to die a slow death in, out in the, in, in the wild without help. Maybe we may not be able to understand how the dog would feel, but imagine another illustration of a child. Maybe this child had just fallen and broken his leg and is, is in great pain, crying out to his father, Father, help! I'm in great pain. And imagine at that moment, the father looked at him and turned his face away from the sun and walked further and further away from the sun. You can imagine the crying son at that point would be even more painful in his heart for that abandonment by the one whom he loved, whom he adored, much more than the pain that he was suffering for, that broken bone. But these two illustrations are but very dim pictures of, of what the Lord Jesus actually felt that day when God the Father forsook him. What the Lord Jesus experienced on the cross on that day was really, in essence, hell. Because this is what hell is. Hell is a place where you do not experience God's love, God's goodness, where God turns His face away from you. Hell is a place where you will be forsaken by God. Which was why He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This was really a new experience for the Lord Jesus Christ, for never before had he been ever forsaken by the Father. For from all eternity, he was the Son of God, basking in eternity, in the infinite love and joy and communion with the Father. 
Even when he was on earth, he continued to enjoy the Father's love, the Father's nearness and oneness with God the Father. But then here at this point, while he was in his deepest agony, the Father seems to turn his face away from him. The Father did not send an angel to come help or comfort him. There were no voice from heaven that said, This is my well-beloved Son, but only silence, darkness, no comfort, no encouragement from the Father. In fact, only the holy wrath and displeasure of God the Father unto him, upon him, all forsaken, all alone. How can any man fully understand this mystery? God the Son, forsaken by God the Father, forsaken while he was in full obedience to his Father's will. And at that point, he, as it were, if, even dared not call, he, call his Father, call God his Father. Everywhere else we read when the Lord Jesus prays to the Father, he would address him as Father. And this is the only place where the Lord Jesus called him God. And so even in his deepest struggle at the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord Jesus prayed, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Take this cup from me. And while he was on the cross earlier, he also prayed, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. But now at this point, he could only cry out because he felt that great abandonment, my God, my God, and not my Father, my Father. Christ has said, my Father and I are one. But now, he couldn't sense the Father's love. He could not sense the fellowship with his Father. Because at, at that point, God the Father did not bless him. The Father's face did not shine upon him. And he did not cause his, lift up his countenance upon the Lord Jesus. There was not a sliver of God's favor to him at that point. There was no light in the midst of darkness. All the support from his father were withdrawn. Christ was forsaken. He was not only forsaken, as mentioned, but at the same time, he was experiencing the holy wrath, the holy anger of God the Father against sin. And that wrath of God was not because Jesus had done something wrong, that he had sinned and offended God, but because God had laid upon him the iniquities of us all. As the Bible says, for our sake, God made him to be sin who knew no sin. Galatians 3.13 God made him a curse for us. Hell's damnation. The agonies of hell. That's what the Lord Jesus was feeling at that time. 
which is why Psalm 22, which we read earlier, uh, Psalm 22, verse 14 and 15, prophetically, are the words of Christ. And he said in verse 14 and 15, I'm poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a pot shed, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. That was how he felt. And Psalm 116 verse 3, he says, The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Can we ever fathom the depths of this anguish that the Lord Jesus felt? Do you understand? Do I understand? We cannot even fully understand the, the extent of the horror of being under God's wrath for our sins alone. But at that point, He was carrying all the sins of all His people. And you can multiply that then in millions and millions of times of the horror of God's wrath upon the Lord Jesus at that point. And so in his deepest anguish, the Lord cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was not a cry of rebellion where he was crying out to God, Why, why me? Why must you do this to me? Why must I go through this? No, it was not in rebellion. Neither was it due to ignorance that he didn't understand why. He, that he forgot the reason for his coming to be the Messiah, to die for the sins of his people? No. Or was it because he was crying out then, uh, because his humanity was separated from his divinity, so that now as a human he didn't understand why? No, of course not. We know that at all times he is always very God and very man. And so it cannot be that. It cannot be also that there was a crack in the relationship between God the Father and the Son because He had never sinned against His Father. He is always one with the Father. It's just that at that time, he, at that point, He lacked that consciousness of the ministry and the presence of God with Him though he was never really literally separated from God, or even from the Holy Spirit. They three are one at all times. But that was a, a cry of the awful reality of the suffering and punishment that he was going through, the hellish punishment that Christ was going through. He cried out that way because that was such a a profound suffering for sin that at that time temporary, as it were, the consciousness of his sonship seems to be gone. But that sense of sinnership overwhelms him. This is what you deserve, loved ones. This is what I deserve. This hellish punishment and agony. This punishment is what every sinner, every believer deserved. But for 
us who are in Christ, we will never have to experience that because our Lord Jesus Christ became our substitute to take that for us. Shouldn't then we be filled with gratitude? Shouldn't we stand in all to see what a Savior we have? And so we want to consider, secondly, what love. Our Lord's forsakenness was real. And He experienced that in your place and in my place and in the place of all His covenant people as our covenant head. And so if you and if I are believers, then Christ died in our place for our sake so that we might never be forsaken. And He did that in love, not unwillingly, not grudgingly, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21 says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. In Him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the good news, isn't it? For wretched sinners like us, Christ acting on behalf of His people, standing in their place, he did it for us because you and I cannot, can never do it for ourselves. Behold then the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, the sin of His people. And it is necessary for Christ, who is very God, to be forsaken by God, the Father. So that by His being forsaken by God, that God forsake us like you and me can be forgiven and find union and communion with God the Father. Oh, can you not see how deeply the Lord Jesus loves His people? How deeply He loves us that He should be willing to lay down His life for us, to die the death, the accursed death of the cross, of suffering hellish agony from the Father, of being forsaken by the Father for us, all because He loved us from all eternity so that you and I won't have to go to that place for the damned. And it's not only the love of God the Son being shown clearly here, but also the love of God the Father Familiar verse, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why should God give His Son? Because He loves His people. Who would ever give their Son for enemies, for their enemies? Who would ever give their sons in exchange for the life of someone who goes against them? But here God gave His Son to the death of the cross for sinners, for rebellious sinners like you and I against Him. And that's why Romans 5 verse 8 says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So Christ was not there in order to win the Father's love for us but because of the love of God for us from before the foundation of the world. 
It is not that God was pouring out His wrath on Christ as an object of His hatred. No, but God the Father was pouring His wrath on the Son whom He loved from all eternity. That's the wonder of God's redeeming love, isn't it? He gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. Herein is love, is it not, beloved? Not that we love God, but that He first loved us. At the cross, the righteousness, the justice of God is fully satisfied. It's fully satisfied when Christ gave Himself for us. And so, loved ones, at times when our sins, our weaknesses accuses us, when the devil points his finger at us and make us feel so unworthy, which we really are unworthy and ill-deserving, so unlovable, so impossible to imagine that Christ would even give his life for us and suffer for us, that Christ would even love us from before the foundation of the world with the Father and the Spirit. Do not forget then that He laid down His life for us exactly because the triune God loves us. Do not forget, therefore, the deep, deep love of Jesus for sinners such as you and I that He went through hellish agonies. He, the author and finisher of our faith, endured the cross for ugly sinners like us. Therefore, when you find yourself ugly, and we should rightly find ourselves so, go to Him and find forgiveness. And know that He loves us and He received us. And that's amazing love that we must not forget. Though God is such a just and holy God, and yet He also is a God who loves us with an everlasting love. And so maybe some applications for us today. Imagine we were there that day and we hear the Lord Jesus cry out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What would your response be? If your answer is, I don't know, maybe He deserves that, then, then there's a sign where we do not know our own sins, the seriousness of our sins. We do not know that Jesus is a Savior. And that's a warning for people who had no heart at all for the Lord Jesus and why He should give Himself on the cross. A warning of hell's damnation. Because that's clearly a manifestation to show us how God sees sin that those who die in their sins would be forsaken by God. Those who do not repent and seek salvation in Christ would be forsaken by God and in the last day be cast into outer darkness, into eternal hell. But if we, our answer is, That was supposed to be my cry. 
But my Lord Jesus became my substitute so that I may be received by God. Then, then, blessed are you because you are loved by God, though you do not deserve it. But you are loved by God because you know that Christ on that day had you in his heart and mind. Your names, our names are written, as it were, on the palms of his hand, each and every one of his child, of his children. So that if you are familiar with, there's a hymn, one of the stanzas says, My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. May that be our response in gratitude that my Savior died in order to save me. May God help us to see the sure awfulness of sin as we hear our Lord Jesus cried out that way. For sin is really a rebellion against God, our Creator, a despising of His love, a defiance against and a trampling on His commandments and His word. So next, the next time, even though we are saved, but the next time when we are tempted to sin, think on this, that if I should yield to this sin, this temptation, then I'm despising God. I'm despising what the Lord Jesus had done for me. I'm trampling on His commandments, defying His rule, and even mocking the blood that has been shed for me by my Savior, Jesus Christ. How can I do such a thing? May that prevent us from so easily allowing us, ourselves to go along with the temptations, with the lies of the devil against the God who who loves us, that we will not want to grieve Him. Also at times when we feel forsaken by God, know that all our feelings of being forsaken by God are but apparent, are but how you feel or I feel. But it is the Lord Jesus who endured the real thing of being forsaken so that we might never be forsaken. And so in that prophetic psalm, Psalm 22, when David cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was how he felt at that time. But was he ever forsaken by God? Answer is no. That was how he felt. He was never forsaken. God will never forsake any one of his children. For Christ has promised that He will be with us even unto the end of the world. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So look to Christ. Look to Christ. For in His pain and anguish, even though He, he felt that forsakenness from the Father, but He knows even Himself that the Father is still His God. That's why He cried out, Eli, Eli. The, the, the word El, E-L, in Hebrew means God. And with the, word, with the letter I, Eli, it, 
It means the Almighty One, the Strong One. And therefore he was crying out to the Father as, My God, my Strong One. So here you see, even though the Lord Jesus was experiencing that, that forsakenness, that God does not love or care for him anymore, but his faith with the Father tells him, No, my God will never forsake me. And therefore he cried out, My God and not God only, but you are my God, my strong one, my almighty one. I love you, even though you slay me, yet I will trust in you. Even though my heart screams out that I have no strength, no help, yet my strong one, my almighty one, you are the one that I will continue to trust. That's not blind faith, but that's true Christian faith that you and I ought to have. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Because the God of those promises is the God who will never fail. The Lord Jesus Christ, as believers, is my God, my Lord. He gave himself for me. He took all my agonies. And since He has gone that distance for us, will He ever withhold any good things from us? Will He not bring all things to come to pass for our good? Certainly. He is my Lord and my God, my strong one. God is able, being almighty. He is willing, being our Father. And so I will go to Him Wherever he leads me, even like the psalmist say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. It will not be for evil, but it must be for my good. And I know I don't have to go through that alone because you are with me. Your rod and your stuff, they comfort me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So let us on this special occasion, marvel. Marvel not just at the great salvation that is accomplished by our Lord Jesus Christ by dying on the cross for us. Marvel also on His love for wretched sinners like us, that He should love us, that He should love you, love me. Children, if today you are still not turning yourself to Christ, turn also today to the Lord Jesus Christ. For He is the one that has come to you, even being born in the Christian family, to allow you to hear His word, to receive all the covenant blessings all through your life. The Lord has been good to you. He has loved you. So turn to Him also and trust in Him as your Savior. Turn to Him and give yourself to live for Him. And so although this pain and agony of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross cannot be fully understood by us, but, but even with this little bit that we could see, let us be confident to know that indeed we may boldly draw near to God and God will receive us because of His Son Jesus Christ and He will receive us in love.
because my Savior, your Savior, 2,000 years ago cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That you and I may never be forsaken by God. Amen.